Welcome to the Young Money Dad podcast. This is our very first episode, and today we would like to talk about all the dirty work that's required in this world, and you need to get to that when you're young, and I don't think it gets enough love. So we want to appreciate it, we want to give it a shout out, and uh, Raj, what do we have going on? Hey, Steve. So I wanted to have a conversation about your first jobs when you were young, specifically how old you were, how much you got paid, and what you think was valuable. And why I strongly believe that young people should get into the job market. So here's the really interesting part. So I can definitely tell you how old I was, which is I was 14 years old. When I was able to find my first job, I tried when I was 13, but I didn't. I wasn't very successful because I figured out, I think it was not legal to really hire a 13-year-old for um, a position that was already on the payroll. In terms of pay, I worked in Subway to make sandwiches, and I had the best job title I've had even to date, which was a sandwich artist. So I wasn't just a a normal guy, I was an artist. I I really took a lot of pride in it. And I was hired on to make $8.50, which was the minimum wage at the time. But unfortunately for me, during the training period, I was convinced that I was only making $5 an hour because it it was going to take me a while to get trained to do what I was supposed to. So I made five bucks an hour for, I believe, a couple of months before I moved on to it. So what, what about you? Where where did you start? What did you have? So my first job, because you mentioned 14, that was a cutoff year. I wanted to make money before that. So when I was, I think, 12 or 13, I did a paper route. Oh, yeah? It lasted all of one month for, I think, $80. Right. Um, So when I was 14 years old, I saw a help wanted sign on the local pharmacy. Yeah. And my mom actually dragged me in there and said, hey, you need to start paying for your own stuff. Anything that you want that's kind of more discretionary. Um, So they were looking for somebody to work from 5 to 7 p.m., Monday to Friday for $8 an hour to mop the floors, stock the shelves. <laughs> and so for me, uh, I thought this is ludicrous. Why, why would anybody want to do this? But right. eventually my mom forced me, which I really appreciate now mm-hmm. to go in there, ask for the job. And I eventually got the role. Um, so this, I reflect back on that now, um, looking at what I learned from the value of money and appreciating how hard it was to make money and then also how easy it was to spend it. So something I wanted to talk about was your first big purchase. So for me, I worked three months at that pharmacy, Monday to Friday, five to seven, where my friends were going and playing video games and having fun and going out. You know, when you're 14, you're chasing girls and playing video games. You just get into it right away. So uh, two of my big first purchases is... um, I was really into this girl at the time, Brittany. Nice. And so I thought, you know, it was important to me to spend $100 on a necklace, which, you know, I'm 25 years old now. I yeah. wouldn't buy a $100 necklace now. No, it's good. <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. Um, so just reflecting that, that was almost two weeks of work, um, you know, because you've got to consider taxes. You've got to consider other things. Um that you know exactly what is cpp what is ei you start to realize these things when you're 14 and you think oh i'm making 880 an hour but how come i'm not making like why am i only getting paid six dollars and 50 cents where's the rest of the money like it's 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 something to consider for sure and so the other big purchase and this is more kind of pertinent to my point here is uh i had a flip phone and mentioning girls i was chasing girls and i wanted to text people um, friends 
my girlfriend, etc. You need um, a tool for the job, and you didn't have the tool. You had a T9 texter, you just wasn't going to cut it. Exactly. So, <clears throat> so my mom said, okay, great, go buy it yourself. And so I went to the Wind Mobile, and I noticed, oh, it's like, the, what's the cheapest smartphone you can get? And it was $450, and I thought, you know, you do the math and you think, my gosh, this is going to take me X amount of weeks or two months to afford this. Right. But to me, that was important. So I had worked really, really hard, and I finally saved enough money to buy the phone. But then another life lesson that my mom taught me was, well, who's paying for the plan? Because your minutes and texting on your T9 phone was $10 a month. But now it's going up to 30 40 whatever it was, right? So Data is a big one, too. Exactly. Yeah, wow. Do you remember back in the days when you had those flip phones and you would accidentally hit the browser or whatever 3G version was and hit that red hang up button? Because as soon as you hit that, that would take you and exit whatever app you were on and take you back to the home screen. So that was like a big deal. Like every time you would accidentally hit any kind of thing that would be outside of your payment plan, everyone would always just hit that red hang up button to get back to the home screen. And it's stuff that I don't know if most people can uh, relate to now, but I, I definitely remember very, very vividly. What I do love though is you already had a Monday to Friday hustle <laughs> and in age 13. Like I, for me, it's more about like, okay, so we have like a Saturday, Sunday, and a weekday, but Saturdays I would work, I think somewhere between three to five hours, same on Sunday. Uh, usually 12 to 3 or 12 to 5, depending on if it was busy. And then uh, on one of the weekdays, I'd go up there maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday. But a um, couple of the differences, like the key differences between yours and my path is I had recognized that I didn't have enough of a perpetuating income to continue playing for a good data plan. Mm. So I needed a tool for the job too, but so my tool of choice was an iPod Touch. So I'm like, okay, so you know what? I'm going in. I need this iPod Touch. I'm making $5 an hour for the first couple months. And I'm like really, really working hard, trying to get as much hours as I can, as many hours as I could possibly get to afford the iPod. So I go in, I think I had like 260 or 70 bucks saved in my TD account, which is a youth account. Thankfully, it has no fees. Not trying to plug TD, but I'm just saying, if you want to open up a youth account, definitely don't pay any banking fees because it shouldn't have any. But the point is, when I had 260, that's when I realized, you know what, that gets me to an 8 gigabyte iPod Touch, and I clearly have a rich taste in music. So I need more than 8 gigs to cover my Lady Gaga to Katy Perry or all those trashy pop songs that were kind of coming out at that time, along with some like interesting Linkin Park stuff. So I, how do I say, I saved up to the 16 gigs, which was 2.99 on sale in London Drugs, and then whatever with tax, it was 2.320, 3.30, and it took me pretty much three months, like pretty much three months on the dot to go buy this iPod Touch. I came in. And I would baby that thing eventually got stolen. It's kind of a sad story. But anyway, so that I just remember, like as soon as you were talking about your smartphone, I got my iPod when I was 14. I didn't even get a smartphone until I was 16. That's when I realized, okay, so I'm good to pay for the monthly plan too, so I can afford it. So the whole point of this, and talking about just a big purchase and how it takes several months for us to save up to that is... Yeah. It teaches the adolescents that are working how hard it is to get that money and purchase that item. And then it also shows them how to respect it. Because Definitely. I know individuals that I've grown up with that had, they were coddled growing up 
Or even you see some kids now that are seven years old with iPhones. And <laughs> so insane. Like you look at it like, wow, it's a different world. And so I, I see those people and they don't really respect some of their items because they don't recognize how hard it was for their parents or whomever to, to actually earn that money to buy it for them. Yeah. So that's why I'm a big proponent of young people getting into the workforce. Doesn't matter if your parents are broke or if you're a yeah, multi-millionaire. Yeah, absolutely. I strongly believe when you're 14, 15 years old, you should get into the workforce, not only just for learning the appreciation of money, but also learning how to deal with people. So switching gears now, I look remember so looking at the pharmacy, that was kind of a slam dunk because they needed basically anybody with heartbeat. Sure. Um, but moving forward, as I got older, the dream jobs for me were serving because of the tips or Starbucks or... Yeah. And I had to deal with a lot of rejection. Um, I would say nine times out of 10 or even 99 times out of 100, when you're 14 years old, you've got to go in there confidently and ask this middle-aged individual at wherever you want to apply, low, Starbucks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got no skills. I'm 14 years old, but I'm looking to work. Take a chance. Like that's that's what you have to convince them because you don't have any credibility, any reputation to go off of yet, right? Exactly. Yeah. And <clears throat> so you deal with a lot of rejection. And for some of the individuals I went to university with late, much later in life, a lot of their parents didn't really find it important for them to work because they wanted to focus solely on school. Right. Um, so they weren't used to the competitive nature of the real world mm-hmm. and how hard it is to actually acquire different jobs, especially once you get into the specialized fields. Right. Um, but if you're young and you realize, okay, I went into Starbucks and this person said no automatically, what could I do differently in my next approach? And you start to learn from those rejections. And it sucks and it, it's hard because I remember being young thinking, like, is, am I ever going to get an interview or what's going to happen? Or if you get the interview, or am I going to get a job? It's just a, it's a tough process to go through. You develop a thick skin pretty early Yeah. if you want to do that. But um, you touched on something earlier, which was about gratitude. And I want to go back to it a little bit because there's just like <laughs> a point of my life where I realized what what it means to actually own something that you have paid for using your own money versus something that was purchased or given to you. And I remember when I was in grade nine, there was in a, in a period of two months, clumsy me had three different pair of winter gloves. And mm-hmm. I don't even think you can write this up. Like they, I would keep losing one glove from each pair, like clockwork every financial quarter. Like it's pretty stupid. So by the time I got to my third pair, so my dad came up and said, you know what? You're going to pay for the next one. That's just as simple as that because you just continue losing them. So you got you to gotta figure it out. So anywho, so I went ahead and went to Army and Navy on White Ave, which is I'm pretty sure closed now. It's not even an option that's available anymore. And I went and bought a pair for 15 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever it was. To this date, I haven't lost that pair of gloves. And it, the, the difference that it makes in when you know that, you know what, like, I have had to work this hard to get this thing to make sure I have the privilege of not having my frostbite on my fingers. So you you keep that. And it just, it's not that you don't know that the gloves aren't important when your parents buy them for you, but it's a different flavor of importance that you pick up. Once mm-hmm. you understand like, okay, this is this is my money, this is my, my sweat equity that has gone into this product. But I, again, to, to move on to your point, which was, you know, you're really not special. Like the first time you go out there and you realize you're looking for a job, so is Sally, so is Mark, so is Rajan, like whoever it might be. 
and all of those people are trying to compete for the same minimum wage job and none of you guys have any credibility so you have to go out and be sort of mentally prepared that someone's just going to say that you're not good enough and you have to have enough confidence within yourself to say you know what no i'll just continue trying and eventually someone will take a chance on me and whether or not it's your first like mcdonald's wendy's and in a lot of sense like you know they get that bad rap like hey you're working at mcdonald's like it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. there's literally no job still today that's been cool. like not even one so yeah. if i didn't have a job today and i i needed to survive i'd go work at mcdonald's no problem yeah like, i wouldn't even think twice about it so there's not only if there's no shame in working for any of those places i think there's a lot of pride it teaches you a lot of skills that we have already kind of touched on and um yeah like you the the sooner you learn to handle rejections because it's gonna guess what it's gonna happen when you graduate from university and you're gonna go out and find your first real full-time position mm-hmm. that is going to be significantly harder than the one that you found at 14 so if you yeah. if you skip that step you're going to be sort of crushed by the whole reality of the situation that you know it, it it takes a lot of grit and perseverance before you can even land an interview let alone land the job right it's, yeah it's a real real challenge so mentioning that no one's been with you um that's a big le- lesson that i learned with these odd jobs um <clears throat> because i will never treat a server or anybody of any with this status yeah. working in mcdonald's for minimum wage that's making your coffee or your food, mm-hmm. I will never treat them with disrespect because I've been in those positions. It's and not an easy job. It's, it's a tough place to be in. And those individuals are struggling to just get by and they're doing their very best. And you don't really learn that type of empathy unless you've been in those positions. Because if you had everything handed for you... You don't have that perspective. Exactly. You just don't get it. And it's just... Uh... You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of times you have that moment when you just wake up in the morning, especially when I was young, and I just didn't want to go to work that day. Mm-hmm. And you just go, wake up, you're like, I don't want to catch number 33 bus to get to this subway or whatever. And then uh, between 12 and 5 and do this thing. But you, you realize that there are inherent responsibilities. There are other people relying on it, like relying on you to show up. There's things that, that are beyond their control and you just have to fulfill your obligation so you'll learn about you know like there's some really throwaway items that you you think at the time like hey like it really doesn't matter if i call in a sick day today right it really doesn't matter that i don't feel like doing something so i won't do it but just think of think of you want to be a fighter pilot right like you want to take on a really big challenge later down your life do you think if there are you know soldiers on the field that need help at that point you feel like you know what i almost feel like going to work that day Suck it up. Yeah. Tough it up. Get in the plane. Go out there. Risk your life because you have to do it. But you learn that 10, 15 years ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Before the, the stakes get so high where you, you can't say no anymore. So if you learn how to say yes when the stakes are low, it becomes like a muscle memory. It's a habit. Like yeah. You just rise up to the occasion, show up to the challenge whenever you have to. And I think that's a very underrated portion of taking like a you know part-time job that seems low stakes at the time. But it gives you your own sphere, your own responsibilities that then you are be held to. Because yeah. you're holding yourself accountable. There's really nobody else that's going to push you out that door. You get, you, you get up, you have to get ready, and you have to get out there, no matter it's snowing, raining, whatever it might be. <laughs> and I know you had a you had a roofing gig early on, I think, and yeah. you must have had some tough weather days there too, right? Yeah, so <clears throat> that was much later in my life when I was 18. I was 
believe it or not, it was only seven years ago, and I found the job in the classified ad wow. newspaper. And I'm glad you mentioned this because I was probably 80, 90 pounds soaking wet. I don't know why they took a chance on me, yeah. but it was one of the best summer jobs I had before my going into university. Mm-hmm. And I was making $15 an hour at the time. That's good money. And it was, I was rich because yeah, I like believe- 15 bucks at that time, that's good money. I believe minimum wage was $10. Now I sympathize with the young people now because I look at that experience I had and I wonder because framing is such a, a low margin uh, business mm-hmm. where they are just high volume, low margin. Right. How much do they have to now pay somebody that's no, not experienced 18? Because I was out in crazy weather conditions. My foreman got a nail shot through his arm. We're oh. climbing on roofs. Like it's dangerous work. Or you can go and work now and retail and make the same amount of money. So right. how much do, does that company need to pay now that minimum wage is $15? The, and the Delta still needs to stay between the minimum wage and what you made. Like exactly. now it's probably like a $20 or a $21 an hour. But are they profitable at that much now? I don't know. Can they pay somebody with no skills $20 an hour? Can That's they justify that? that? And now, point. talking about low-skill work, when I was working at the pharmacy mopping the floor or I was working at Delta Hotel doing serving for banquets, um, I was getting paid the minimum wage rate. But now that minimum wage is $15. Are companies expecting kids with experience or with skills? Because a 14, 15-year-old has no skin in the game. The inherent expectation is higher now because they're forced to pay you out at a larger um, wage. Is that what you're trying to get to? Like You're yes. just going to be expected to do more or go the extra mile or... Or bring an experience from before because you're you're a skilled higher money or you're making skilled higher money. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's kind of an interesting point. I never thought about that. Um, but I think in a in a lot of sense, um, all these jobs that you mentioned, like you know, bussing at Delta or or framing, you must have had some like horror stories where you just like have to deal with either like a customer or your boss, where you just straight up have to be in a conflict situation for the first time in your life, or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you think back to the first time you were in it. And that's when you really realize, like, like this is really not an easy position to be in. Mm-hmm. And the sooner you learn your conflict resolution skill or figure out how to de-escalate a situation that has already gone out of control, that is a life skill that kind of carries you through the next 50 years, like, depending on how early you started, right? Because that portion of your life is never going to go away. Like, if you want to negotiate with somebody, if you want to you know, want anything in your life. Because sometimes things are out of your control. Sometimes people are going to start a conflict that you may have nothing to do with, but yeah. you need to learn how to resolve it. So do you have anything there that you uh, you experienced early on? I, <clears throat> I'm glad you brought that up because that's another big learning for young individuals or anybody just getting into the, the workforce. Because a reality check. Growing up as a child, you have conflict with your siblings or maybe within sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you're not exposed to real conflict in business right. um, because your parents are typically, and I'm generalizing, but they're protective and overprotective. Yeah. So when I was, I, I had a job at Cora's as well when I was young and <clears throat> you deal with customers and different types of people, some positive, some not so positive. And you're taught that the customer is always right. If you <laughs> did everything perfectly, 
it's still on you. And you're still going to have to pay out from your tips if something went wrong that was out of your control. And then you're dealing with your manager who doesn't really want to be working there. Right. And you're dealing with all of these different associated... Are difficult. Yeah. And at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to suck it up and you need to learn the resiliency and the grit to recognize this was out of my control. I did my best, but this was the result. No fault of my own. Right. But there's other um, <clears throat> stories I have in some of my other jobs where there is conflict that is in your control that you can manage. And those are the skills that you build and you build the resiliency when you're young. So going into your business jobs or engineering jobs or law or maybe some of the more professional goals and aspirations you have later in life, you've been exposed to so many different people. Right. And so many different perspectives. So it builds that empathy, but it also builds some confidence in yourself to know, I've seen this before. I've seen this type of person before. This is a negative Nancy um, that's going to complain regardless. And here's how I can approach the situation to just mitigate the conflict. Um, and so that's something that you learn no matter what job you're in. So I think it's really important for kids starting early, a, a lot earlier. And also... There's a lot of research that shows um, there's some unintended neg negative consequences for adolescents in the workforce mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> because there's some of the unintended consequences is maybe they get into some more of the, the sinister areas of life earlier, like drugs, alcohol. Um, they've got Just money. Because they have access to money. Exactly. Right. But the positives outweigh the negatives because it teaches them, you mentioned conflict resolution, it also teaches them time management and prioritization. Um, I think if you if you really think about that, it, you can't really stop it. Like even yes, they have money at fourteen or fifteen instead of eighteen, but you're just delaying that problem. Like mm -hmm. someone who was, if they were so sheltered, or you're over, like you're protecting them from the drug side of things that they were never exposed to it. They're gonna be exposed to it when they're an adult or when you're eighteen, and when you go out and do something and you go to a party, or you you know just come across, it, it just happens in mm -hmm. life. So at that point, yeah, like it's possible that when you're younger, your decision-making skills are not as sharp as they would be like two to four years down the road when you've matured a little bit more. But I think if anything, stepping up to the plate or put giving an option between like, hey, here's like a, a fork in the road kind of a path where this is, this is what you know inherently is good for you versus this is what is a destructive path and you're 15 years old and you just got to make a choice, like which which path do you want to walk through and i would imagine overwhelmingly most of the people would be making better decisions just through this whole new process and a world that they have discovered that mm -hmm. there's of responsibility of money of all these things and now they have to worry about and and you know it can't put that into their decision making process i also like something that you just mentioned it's, it's about confidence so with confidence at least i find all confidence is, is exposure if you've exposed if you've been exposed to something many, many times, and you already have solved this problem two or three different ways, you're very confident you can solve that problem because you've mm -hmm. seen it before. So if you start at 14 rather than 18, that's a four-year leg up that no one is ever going to be able to make up. Mm -hmm. you, you, that competition is inherently not never going to be fair because you started earlier. And I think that level of confidence is eventually going to be that, um, you know, give you that edge to, to land that first big job or, you know, make that crucial key decision that sort of changed your life because you have an inherent level of self-confidence within you that 
that the other people don't have. Right. Um, but I like your story about the whole Cora situation, and there's some that some people are just going to be negative Nancy's. Like I remember when I was in Subway, I uh, I I was selling someone a sandwich. It was like a soup combo or something. So it was a minestrone soup that day. So packed it up. Gentleman sitting there. He's uh, eating his soup. Comes back with an empty bowl and says, you know, I really didn't like the soup or uh, the soup was stale or whatever. So can I get a refund? <laughs> so of course, me being me, thinking, oh, my boss is sitting there in the back, and I'm gonna be the Superman mm-hmm. in this situation. I'm gonna solve the problem. So I had this snarky comment. I think I said something like, okay, so if you didn't like the soup, why did you keep eating it? Right. You finished the whole thing. So now, so it, in I, I just realized thinking, and then it sort of escalated a little bit further, and it was more of a heated conversation. So I I just remember like I looked back towards like the kind of like the back prep room sort of where my manager was, and I thought, okay, well, this is an unwinnable situation. <laughs> I've already recognized that I'm getting crunched from the front end, I'm getting crunched from the back end. There's nothing that's going to happen. Um, the easy way out is I can probably give this person a refund and move on with other life, right? And because there's that expression that I don't get paid enough for this, if you've ever mm-hmm. heard that. But I thought, okay, like maybe, maybe I can I can mediate in a different way. And I think I the solution that I struck up was I was gonna offer up a different bowl of soup at no cost. Mm. And the guy seemed to be okay. So instead of minestrone, I had like roasted chicken wing or something. Mm-hmm. And I gave that, and the guy seemed to be like fine with that. And then it kind of moved on. And then my manager kind of looked at me and said, okay, that wasn't bad. Like I thought we were gonna give him a refund. And I just thought even even not just the conflict resolution, right? Because when you're in a heated discussion, a lot of your rational decision-making process suffers. Mm-hmm. So you start thinking emotionally. Like you, it's an emotionally charged conversation. You want to get back at the person. You want to win an argument rather than, um, you know, mediate. I I think something that I've also learned was to think on your feet. Like mm-hmm. you have very little prep time. You have very little filter. You have very little abilities to really think about how you're going to, you know, because everyone... I think it was Mike Tyson that said it, like, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Mm, yeah, so it was like, it's one of those, like, when you are given a lot of time, like, you can always formulate a plan of, like, 15 different things, but when you're about to get punched in the mouth, you really gotta, like, you know, think on your feet, move mm. out of the way, or, or block, or do whatever you have to, so I learned early on that, you know, being in a pressure, on a stressful situation, um, you'll learn to think on your feet, and mm-hmm. even to this date, I think in a, in a lot of ways that I'm going to be able to handle stressful situations better mm-hmm. because not because like, you know, I have figured out some key to it. I've just seen it more. Yeah. And, and when you get comfortable, you know, it's the same idea that you have uh, the people that perform and li- with live audience on stage, like theater folks, when the first time you go and have that spotlight on you, it's kind of daunting. There's a lot of, brightness you know it, it's hot you're sitting in front of hundreds of people often and you have to perform but eventually that spotlight just becomes background you mm-hmm. don't notice it anymore right and you want that conflict or you want a stressful situation to be almost the background that it just it just rolls off you you just shrug it off and it's just no different than any other situation yeah and then you can negotiate you can handle um, any kind of discussion with anybody who has a difference of opinion with you a lot better. Yeah, I think it is. Well, it was been a quick 20 minutes of discussion reminiscing about our past and doing the dirty work. Yes. I think there's a lot of Scroll down the memory lane, eh? A lot of things that I think 
youth and adolescents can benefit from, from getting exposed to the workforce early. Mm-hmm. We talked about time management, conflict resolution, the gratitude piece, appreciation for money and how hard it is to earn and how easy to spend <laughs> like this. Like easily. So thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to seeing you guys next episode. We have no idea what we're going to talk about then, but we will decide soon enough. Thank you very much.